Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of the Sense Hour podcast. Before we get into it, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings. And the return we've been waiting for is finally here. Out of these, out of the sports most notorious icon is stepping back into the octagon this Saturday. DraftKings is hosting is your official da- uh, fantasy partner of the UFC and is giving you a free shot at a huge prize. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes with first deposit. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Pick six fighters, stand with the salary cap, pile up points for your advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than compete for a shot at a million dollars. And who wouldn't want a million dollars right now? Personally, I might even enter this because I'm watching the fight on on uh, Saturday. Um and it's all weekend. You can do it also with hockey as well. Perfectly easy. Go on DraftKings, sign up, pick your daily lineup. Super fun. It's safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit, withdraw your funds at your convenience. You can download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to get a free shot at a million dollars in total prices throughout the weekend. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings and it's a minimum $5 deposit. But head on over, use promo code THPN DraftKings. And with that, we are going to jump right into it. It was a crazy weekend for Sense fans. We started off with the Toronto game, so we'll jump into that before moving on to the roller coaster of emotions Jets game. But, you know, I rewatched the game a little bit, watched some key points, and Ottawa looked like a young team trying to figure it out chemistry wise, chemistry wise in the second game versus the Leafs. I wasn't really surprised with the outcome. Uh, no, uh, actually, it was a very fortunate outcome. Uh, you know, if we look at the score alone, three to two, that game could have been a complete blowout. The shots on goal were 40 to 19. It was heavily one-sided in that game, favoring the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, um, you know, the only real positive out of that game was that we got to see one hell of a first goal from Tim Stutzla. Uh, from a Senator's perspective, from a Leafs perspective, they dominated the game. I thought the biggest struggle was probably the face-off circle. Would you agree? Yeah, 100%. I think Spezza went 10-0 and against us in that face-offs. So the Leafs won 62.5% of the face-offs, Ottawa at 37.5. Specifically, the face-offs on the Sens power plays really, really hurt them. I mean, they went 0-5 for 5 on the man advantage. And a lot of that had to do with just losing possession right off the hop on the face-off circle. Yeah, I think we were 2 for 14 against Toronto on the man advantage or something like that. They were talking about it uh, in yesterday's game. It wasn't pretty. Um, of course, the Senators out-hit the Leafs once again, but uh, sometimes that tends to happen when you don't have the puck. So they really out-hit them. It was 30-15. to 15. Obviously, Ottawa is going to be the more physical team when you're playing a team like Toronto, but uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they they were chasing the entire game. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that they definitely, up until the, the end of the third period, probably the last five minutes of the third, they were dominated for most of the game. I mean, early in the game, they, they kind of brought it to them. You know, the, the Paul goal kind of put them in the right foot, and then they let the, they put, they took the, the gas off, uh, the pedal, the ga- the foot off the pedal, um, and I was kind of disappointed and I'm hoping that this is kind of more of a team, the, the team learning how to win or learning what they need to do to continue to win more than it is of a, of a pattern that we're going to continue to see throughout the year. Yeah. So, I mean, you could see even trying to keep shots to the outside in that game, they were out possessed so badly that they were just getting exhausted. They were getting hemmed in their own zone. So even though a lot of the shots, again, from the Leafs were coming from the exterior and they were perimeter shots, eventually your box is going to break down. You can't keep everything to the outside. You're going to get rebound opportunities. And you're not attacking, so you don't have any opportunity to score a goal. So uh, the Senators really played themselves that game, uh, and it wasn't pretty. But, uh, But ultimately, they lost by a goal. It didn't look too bad. Yeah, I mean, if looking at uh, Natural Statric, they're a great website for uh, beginning uh, analytic guys. Uh, they have everything laid out, easy to follow, easy to look at. But yeah, no, Ottawa got dominated 
in the Corsis the entire game. They had for the game they were twenty four point eight two percent. Again, like that, that you are way below. You're almost at like a a quarter of the game. You know, um, it's just we just got purely dominated five on five, and then the power play wasn't very good, and we kept giving Toronto chances. We cannot win games like that. No, that is not a recipe for success. That's a recipe for basically what we've had the last three seasons. And, you know, that's kind of what it looked like. I'll be honest, after watching that game, I was a little bit worried. I was thinking, especially with some of the breakouts that the Senators had, I was a little bit worried. I was starting to look at the decor and thinking, man, maybe they're just not capable of breaking the puck out. Like maybe this is not going to be a step forward this year whatsoever playing in this heavy uh, North division, but, uh, but maybe it wasn't the case and we'll get into that a little bit later, but, uh, but this game certainly did not look good for the senators. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we're, we're going to introduce a new segment that I did last year. We're going to bring it back. The good, the bad, the ugly, we're going to do it for each senator's game. So with that being said, what are, what's your good, your bad, and your ugly for the Senators in the Leafs game? I mean, oh, I mean, the, the good is easy here. We have to go with uh, Tim Stutzla's first NHL goal. I mean, the puck was shot like 200 feet. It, I think it touched the moon. It came back down from Thomas Shabbat's pass, and bam, Tim Stutzla scores his first NHL goal. I was falling asleep on the couch, Shane. I was falling asleep. I was like, there's nothing happening. I'm going to turn this game off. It's horrible. I can't watch any more of it. And that woke me right back up. I shot off the couch. I screamed so loud that I lost my voice. Um, wow, that that's the good for me. That was the only good that game. Yeah, and I mean, hey, you talk about that goal. You know, Colin White had a really good play. Instead of dumping it around the corner, he shot it across the ice, and it kind of conti- he made that play continue that led up to the, the Stutzler goal. And I don't think he got credit for an assist. I think it went to Josh Norris on that goal. But his work there uh, gave us a chance to score, and it led to a goal. For me, my goal, my good, isn't the isn't Stutzler's goal, even though that is really good for the organization. It's Brady Kachuk's play. You know, he was in there, he was grinding, he was driving the play. And I know a lot of people heading into the season was, could he be a play driver? Could he drive a, a line by himself? And yes, Norris and Batherson have been relatively good in the eye test. And analytically, they've been subpar. But Kachuk has just driven that line uh, greatly. And I think that was the, the plus for me. That was the good in that game. Seeing that even though his team was getting outplayed, he was still driving the play when he was on the ice. He was still forcing things when he was on the ice in a positive way. So that's my good. Fair enough. And uh, switching over to the bad in that game, there was a whole lot of bad in that game. So uh, where are you kind of narrowing your focus for the bad in that game, Shane? My bad was the power play. You know, you have the chances, you have five chances in the game. Those, Those are opportunities that you need to capitalize on. You know, if we go one for five or two for five in that game, we win the game. You know, it's just those are the chances that lost us games last year and they're going to continue so far early in the season have cost us probably, you know, have cost us points so far early in this early season. So the power play was the the bad uh, with uh, with Ottawa yesterday. How about you? Uh, so, yeah. So when it pertains to the Leafs game, again, we're talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs game here first. Uh, the bad was absolutely the puck possession. You you can't get out possessed like that and expect to win a game. Uh, the shots on goal were 40 to 19, as we said. It was really, really bad. It was a, a bad performance all around for the Senators. Yeah, and it's funny that you have that as the bad because I have that as the ugly. See, we reversed it, but I'll, I'll get into that. Go ahead. Yeah, like you can't give Toronto 40 shots without taking, you know, 30-some shots. This was... I wouldn't say it was like a, the most winnable game. Obviously, they were coming in angry. You know, they just lost Ottawa. You know, they barely beat Montreal. They wanted to prove that hey, we're still we're still around, and they were going to come out guns blazing. And they just kind of got dominated. And I know the the NHL came out, and I mentioned it during the game that the puck just seemed to bounce on the players, and they did. If you rewatch the game, there's a lot of chances that you know just skip over with a stick and whatnot. Maybe you can pull an Austin Matthews and blame the puck 
for the lack of production. Or you could just admit that, you know, we missed our opportunities and we didn't do what we had to do to win. But that, yeah, the, the possession game, the ability, inability to move the puck out of our zone consistently was the ugly for me in that game because there was a lot of chances that were given up because of it. There you go. They could probably be lumped together, but I kind of reversed my bad and ugly here because I've got the power play as the ugly for the Senators versus the Leafs. I thought it was horrendous watching the Senators do countless drop passes to absolutely nobody moving with speed through the neutral zone. They could not enter the zone cleanly. They could not regain possession and they couldn't muster up any quality shots on goal during the power play. They had five opportunities. They went 0 for 5. The face-offs were a huge problem. It was a big problem for the Senators, but oh boy, did they ever fix that, those problems quickly. And we'll get into that later. But for this game, that was the ugly for me. Oh yeah, 100%. That, was, that will always be you know, the bottom of the barrel for me. Power play has always been an issue. You know, Matt Murray has looked good. Before we move on to the Jets game, Matt Murray has looked good. A couple of shots where you can't you can't really fault him. You know, the, the seeing eye shot that kind of beat him up. Like, there are certain goals where you look at him like, okay, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt. He's been solid, but I don't think he's been like, like he's made the saves, but I feel like there's some saves that he could have made that may have changed the game. But, you know. He's been, it, he's been very good, maybe not great. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is the thing, the, the Thornton goal, where he gets beat short side. You have Austin Matthews on the other side. Thornton is a known playmaker. He, So you do have to cheat a little bit to Matthews' side. You do have to play the pass more than the shot. Thornton made a great made a great decision. But that's a, another like another goal given up that where Murray was caught cheating. He, he got caught cheating against Tavares in the first game. He didn't get caught cheating in the Jets game, thankfully. But overall, Matt Murray's performance has been good for the first three games. But with that being said, we're going to jump into the game that everyone wants to talk about. The Winnipeg Jets... First game of the year, Ottawa dominates for, I don't know, 15 minutes of each period. Last five minutes of every period, they seem to give up a goal. I don't even know what to begin. Like, I was so mad at DJ Smith after yesterday's game. I This, this loss, in my opinion, is all on DJ Smith being outcoached by himself. You know what? He quoted young mistakes after the game, costing them the game. Do you want me to read you the lineup that was on for the game-tying goal? Wasn't it Tierney? Let me guess. I know it was Zaitsev Coburn on the on defense. Correct. Pretty sure it was Connor Brown, Chris Tierney, and uh, Cedric Paquette that were the forwards on the tying goal. That is correct. That was your lineup on the ice. That's your young mistakes. Maybe he was quoting the penalty that happened. That cost them the second goal. And guess who took that penalty? Austin Watson. Uh, I'll, I'll give him credit. It was a very weak call. It was a little chop on the pants. And if you watch it in slow-mo, Shifley kind of dives a little bit. It didn't look too good on his part. But you cannot take a penalty like that in the neutral zone. Again, you're leading 3-1, to one, heading into the latter stages of the third period. And you take a costly penalty. Those are the penalties that you want to avoid if you're Austin Watson. Yeah, and I mean, I will agree that uh, I think there was three calls, four calls against Ottawa. There was three hookings, and I think I may only agree with one, and that was like the Chris Tierney hook, and that was borderline. Two very weak calls. Um, oh, you know what I realized we didn't talk about, and I think it's probably a good idea that we didn't talk about? Muzzin's uh, cross-check mm -hmm. on Stutzla. Um against like the, the last Toronto game that kept Stutzla out of the Winnipeg game. And I potentially, mean, that's, potentially we yeah, don't know I mean, if, like, we don't know if that's what hurt him, but it, it, you, you think we yeah. think it is, but on the other end, we got to see Galchenyuk and oh man, did he have a game? And, oh man. Are people pissed that he only, he had three shifts in the third period. He did not play past the ten fifty nine mark of the third period. That was it. Yeah, like he, he got—he essentially got benched. He was their best player on the ice all game, and he got benched in the third I period. I don't get it. I I really don't understand where DJ Smith, like maybe he doesn't trust him to hold a lead. I don't know, 
And again, he, he made a quote after the game that suggested the team should be focusing on defensive play to protect a lead in the third period. What's the best defense, Shane? You keep it in the other teams. Why Why are guys like Nick Paul, Chris Tierney, and Connor Brown, who have been dominated most of the game by the Shifley line, out there more often 5-on-5 five five than the three players who got you 20 shots on net the entire game? You had 41 shots on net, and 20 of them came from Kachuk? Batherson Norris, they go. Those three were buzzing. I don't even like as much as I'm annoyed that Galchenyuk got benched. Why are your Why is your third line playing more than your first line when your first line has been dominating the entire game? Yeah, and and he's trying to play shut down and trying to to coach a certain way. But the best way to shut a team down is to play with the puck in the opposing end. If you can play offense rather than playing on your heels which is going to exhaust you over the course of a season. It's going to exhaust you over the course of your shift. Why would you not play in the other team's end if you know you can go out there and dominate? And that's what the Galchenyuk, Stepan, and Dadnov line did all night. That's what Norris, Kachuk, Batherson did all night. But no, DJ Smith is upset that his team chose to play offensively in the third period. And that's not what cost the team, DJ. It was your decision-making. Like I okay, so I I went back and watched Galchenyuk's last three plays, like his last three shifts. He set up Dadunov on the power play, beautiful cross ice pass, like through through the center of the like beautiful pass. He had a shot on goal, he missed. Whatever it happens, on all three shifts he per like he had chances at like he had go- he had scoring chances. I don't know what more you want from a guy like if. Like, I don't know if he said something or maybe he he made he maybe made a bad play. Well, when I see he didn't do anything bad, if he's not in the game on Thursday and Paquette, Cole, like if I don't see White and and Galchenyuk in the game on Thursday, and you know there's Paquette and Anisimov and Coburn, I'm gonna lose my absolute mind because a lot of people are there with you. Everyone like, noticed how good Galchenyuk was this game. Like People are saying that, oh, you're overreacting. It's not an overreaction if you've been preaching accountability for the last season and a, like the last two seasons. You know what, Shane? He got a free pass. So DJ Smith, we can all agree he got a free pass last year. It was just kind of getting acquainted to the new team, trying to teach good habits and good work ethic. And the players really like him. You know, from what we hear... He's a player's coach. He's, you know, very approachable. He's very detail-oriented when he's talking about parts of the game. Players like him. But this year, now all of a sudden, you're looking at this North Division, and who had a bad start? Edmonton's had a pathetic start. Vancouver's had probably an equally pathetic start. And the Winnipeg Jets have had a bad start. And now all of a sudden, you're seeing opportunity for the Ottawa Senators. If they play as good as they played last night, and they're capable of doing that consistently, they have an opportunity this year to compete. I mean, again, I've been saying it. Like, Edmonton is getting getting destroyed by lack of depth, relying too much on Drysaddle and, and McDavid and horrible goaltending. Vancouver's depth, again, I said, I've talked about this before this season. You can go back and watch the episodes or listen to the episodes. Vancouver's depth is not there. Winnipeg is relying too much on Hellebuck. They're a top line heavy team. Like that Shifley line, the Shifley Wheeler Connor line dominated whenever they were on the ice against the the third line against Ottawa. But lines two through four were dominated by Ottawa. And the blue line isn't great in Winnipeg either. No, it's not. And you throw forty one shots on Bersois. You need to score. Like okay, you scored three goals. So that should be enough. Realistically, scoring three goals should be enough in today's NHL to win you a game. But the fact is, you had chances, you couldn't capitalize. It is what it is. It's going to happen game to game. But the the way they lost this game is unacceptable. The fact that they had an Anisimov on, the, on a three-on-three overtime. In what world, and I've been a huge supporter of Anisimov, in what world do you put Anisimov in a three-on-three overtime over a guy like Galchenyuk? It makes absolutely no sense. I mean, it, it really, I can't make sense of that. And if Anisimov does not come out of this next game, like you mentioned, there's going to be some problems. Like we're talking, we're, we're starting to enter the Tom Pyatt for uh, Guy Boucher era. 
And if that's what DJ Smith becomes, he becomes one of those reluctant, hard-nosed coaches that just refuses to give up on the players that he likes for whatever reason, we're going to have problems and we're going to have problems quickly. Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. I know people are saying, you know, overreacting, but we've seen this story before. The last thing we need is Anisimov and Paquette turning in to Pyatt and Dumont 2.0. That's literally the last thing this team needs. We don't need those guys in an, in the lineup every game. I don't really, statistically, analytically, you know, even at the eye test, Paquette doesn't bring much to the table to help us win a game. Great. He's great on the penalty kill. We've allowed a penalty, like a power play goal in each of the first three games. So realistically, how much is that helping? And he doesn't bring anything offensively. Galchenyuk already has more goals than Paquette. Galchenyuk has more goals than Anisimov. Why is Anisimov on the first power, like on the second power play unit? Why isn't that Nick Paul or Chris Tierney or, you know. I would even, go Paul for sure. Nick Paul earned that like, opportunity. He's looked great. Like, I don't understand. I, I also don't understand the team's willingness or unwillingness to have skilled players in their bottom six. You put it nice, if you put Galchenyuk, White, and Watson, who has actually probably been the only bright spot of the, that fourth line through the first three games, they're going to be able to, to defend and give you offense, which is what you want now. You don't want a fourth line who are full of scrubs. This isn't 2005 where the fourth line was the good line. That's not how it works anymore. No doubt. And, and personally, what I want to see over time here is either one of Stutzla or Galchenyuk slide to the middle. Because I think if you could produce a top six that has these two together. So, so let's say, for example, we keep the, the top line intact because they're working really, really well together. And that second unit becomes either Stutzla, Galchenyuk, and Dadanov, or Galchenyuk, Stutzla, and Dadanov. That is a potent top six. I mean, that would ultimately that's that's what I want to see at some point this season. I hope it's tried out because Galchenyuk he hasn't played center for a few years, but I could see some capabilities there. Yeah, and I mean, I think we need to remember that this isn't a Duclair situation with like to a certain extent. Galchenyuk played six years in Montreal getting destroyed by horrible coaching. Couldn't figure out if he wanted like if they wanted him as a center or a winger and completely ruined the guy. It wasn't until the last like three years where he's bounced around. So we need to give him a little bit of credit over, you know, his travel like his miles. Like we just need to honestly this is the thing about like the same thing goes with Galchenyuk that it goes with Zaitsev. Give him a role that he fits in and don't try to change it. Let Galchenyuk go out there and do Galchenyuk things. There's a reason why he had, you know, 30, like a, a 30 goal season and, you know, has, you know, had outside of last season, had 19 goals in back to back years. So and on the very first shift of the game, where do your eyes go? I mean, Galchenyuk beats his man along the boards. He out muscles him, keeps possession of the puck, and drives straight to the net for a great opportunity. He almost scored right off the hop. Yeah, like I just, I, Galchenyuk needs to be in the lineup on Thursday. You know, if that means you take out, uh, you know, if Stutzla, you let him sit for another game, make sure he's 110% healthy. I don't think anyone's going to really mind because, you know, you don't want to rush a player who's not 100% healthy. But if, like, if Anisimov and Paquette are both in the lineup, I'm going to lose my mind because they're not helping this team win. Yeah, we, we've touched on, I think we've touched on so many negatives in this game. And it it's a shame because it was a great game. In fact, it was probably the best Sens game from a sheer dominance perspective that I've seen them play in this new era with the new young players. Like this game was truly a game that they were driving the bus. They weren't passengers in this game. They were taking it to the Jets. And if that's what they're capable of, and I get it, the Jets were on a back-to-back they're missing line A. Let's let's give it more time and see if the Senators can play like this consistently. But if they can, then this season all of a sudden becomes a season where you can compete and we can judge DJ Smith. But let's talk about some of the positives from this game, Shane, because there was a ton of positives. What do you think? I mean, Josh Norris is the, the big positive. You know, it looked better in the draws, looked better uh, being the center on that top line. Gets his first goal on the power play. 
I, I like Josh Norris. Batherson, like that top line is all positives in last game. They had a Corsi rating of like 93.15% uh, yesterday against the Jets. Like that top line could honestly become like a, a pizza line 2.0 in the next year or so. Batherson's playmaking abilities is way better than I thought it was. And it's, and it's way better than it was last season. He's making some subtle touch passes. He's making some soft passes. Um, he's creating opportunities for his entire line. To me, he's driving that line. Drake Batherson has made his teammates look really, really good on that line. Um, he could be a star player in the making. Yeah. And I mean, it's not just his playmate. Like he's picking people off. Like there are like Mark Stone kind of takeaways that he's doing and generating offense off of it. And if he can continue this confidence and people mention like, Oh, this is the AHL Batherson. We just need to keep that kind of Batherson in check and hopefully it starts producing goals. Yeah. I, I think he's playing exactly what you said. He's playing exactly how he played in the American hockey league. And he has the foot speed now. He has the, the mental speed and the motor to keep up to the NHL. And it's just a matter of time before this guy explodes offensively. And it will it will be this season. I mean, you could just see it. He's not going to fail this season. Batherson is going to have a breakout season. There's no question in my mind. As we got this question for Jesse Pagnin, my bad if I mispronounced that last name. Uh, what are our thoughts on uh, the play of Murray so far this year? We touched on it earlier in the episode, but we'll bring it up because someone asked. I'm okay with it. I like it. Not great, but good. Like a yeah. very like I'd give him a solid like seven out of ten right now. In that uh, specifically in that second uh, Leaf game where Ottawa got dominated, Murray was the reason that that game was three to two. That the Senators had a chance at the end of the game to uh, to come back and tie the game. He's made most of the saves that you expect him to make. Yes, there's been a couple that you could say maybe he was playing a little deep in his net or maybe he was anticipating a pass across, so he was cheating a little bit off to the one side. Overall, I would say I've been impressed with Matt Murray. I think he's been good. Uh, as you mentioned, Shane, good, not great. There's a few times where if he made a key save kind of late like last night, um, I know it was a deflected puck, but if he was just playing a little bit higher in the crease, that's a shot that probably just hits his body and goes off to the corner. It might have ended up in a rebound goal anyway, but uh, there's been a few of those. But overall, I can't fault Matt Murray for uh, anything so far this season. Good start to the season for the Senators. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully, I, I would not be surprised if we do see Matt Murray again on Thursday night. Probably a Matt Murray versus Hellebuck situation. Personally, I would have given Hogberg the, the game yesterday against Brisbane, but hopefully we see Hogberg at some point. I do want to see what he can do. I'm not surprised they're riding Murray, but yeah, agree. Like he he's been good, not great. Need a little bit more from him. Uh, so hopefully we'll see that whenever he's back in net. But another positive that I think we need to talk about Nikita Zaitsev. Four points, three games, all four assists. Man, wh where is this coming from? He looks so confident in the offensive zone now, going down the hat, like pinching, moving the puck down the, the boards, like, and not just passing it around the boards. Like he's skating down, generating chances. What do you think happened? Where do you think, like, where do you think this is coming from? You know, it's funny because heading into the game, everyone was so excited about the, um, analytic numbers of the pairing of Shabbat and Zaitsev. And then right away, Shabbat's back with Gid Branson. So it was like, okay, I guess they're not going with Shabbat and Zaitsev any longer, but uh, whatever. Zaitsev was able to do it on his own. Kind of, He, he was good in that game again. Um, another positive game for Nikita Zaitsev. And we're starting to see positive games strung together. I think it's a matter of confidence. I don't know that maybe he's physically in a, in a better spot than he was last year. Maybe he's not. Um, but to me, it's a matter of confidence. He does seem to be chipping in more offensively. Maybe it's a matter of DJ approaching him, as you suggested, and, and saying, you know what, you just need to play your game. Don't worry about, you know, focusing on other people's games or, or benefiting their game. We just want to see you play your style and play your game. Um, but through the first uh, few games here of the regular season, 
Zaitsev does look like a rejuvenated player. Um, he's kind of redefining what people think of him so far, and it is really early, so uh, we do need to be weary of that. He could, in fact, return to the Nikita Zaitsev that we saw last season. But so far, so good for Zaitsev. He's uh, leading the team, I think, with uh, four points, or at least tied with Brady Kachuk for four points. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think Kachuk got a point. Um the other night versus uh, uh, or versus the Jets, I think he got a, a an assist on the um, the Norris goal. I might be mistaken. Uh, actually, no. They gave it to Dadanov, and so no. Uh, so there you go. Nikita Zaitsev is the lone point points leader for the Ottawa Senators with four points Which on is the crazy. season. Oh, what, okay. Here, here's a little off topic. If you're going to tell, like, here's the thing. Zaitsev is leading the team in points for the Sens. Mm-hmm. You know who's leading the league in goals right now? Bobby fucking Ryan. <laughs> yeah, let's go, Bobby. I mean, what a great story, first off, Bobby Ryan is. Um, and it, it's just such a good feeling. Look at all those Ryan jerseys back there. You know Shane's a big fan. I'm a big fan of Bobby the person to himself. What a good guy. Um, and it, it's great seeing these good people who have battled adversity like Bobby has, um, you know, battling a few things getting in his way uh, and, and coming out on top. Four goals in three games for Bobby Ryan with the Detroit Red Wings. Who would have thought to start the year Bobby Ryan would be leading the NHL in goals what a story! Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing: as much as, as as much as I would love Bobby to be in Ottawa, I'm so happy he's in Detroit, getting a top six opportunity, and it's paying off. Playing in a second line with Philip Zadina, and uh, I think it was Robbie Fabry to start the year, but he's hurt, he's in COVID, so it was Rasmussen the last couple of games. He's been helping drive that play. He gets to play with a guy that everyone wanted to in Ottawa and Zadina in the original draft when, when the draft happened. But man, it's so much fun watching Bobby play. It's ridiculous. He looks so rejuvenated. Uh, and I mean, hey, that 54 that he's rocking, beautiful. He rocked, That was his rookie number his first couple of games in Anaheim. He's back wearing it with Detroit. It's my next jersey on the, on the to-get list. I am I, over the moon. And he's, he's looking like rookie Bobby Ryan. Remember how he just exploded onto the scene? Like, I remember one particular game for the Ducks. He came in and he scored a hat trick and they were all beautiful goals. Like, Bobby Ryan is looking like the Bobby Ryan of old. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. He looks like a healthy Bobby Ryan. Yeah. And as much as I would have loved to seen a healthy Bobby Ryan in Ottawa, I understand that it was time to move on and give him a fresh start and give us a fresh start. Because if he, let's say he doesn't have this boo in Detroit, let's say he's, you know, it doesn't have a single point. Detroit doesn't have a single win. They are, you know, he, he's like minus, you know, six. He's having a horrible year. People will look at that and be like, Oh, good thing. We got rid of Bobby. You know, he hasn't, like he's washed. Hmm. So, yeah, he's he's had a really good start, which is great. But for some perspective on it, like if it was the other way around, people would have been super happy that we got rid of Bobby Ryan. So yeah, he's producing. It would have been great if he did it in an auto jersey this year. But if he wasn't producing, you would have been ha- like most people would have been happy that he wasn't in Ottawa being paid seven million dollars. And, and you know what? Like, there's just no opportunity this year in Ottawa. We, we could see it with Galchenyuk. Like, you're you're honestly talking about scratching a player that should not be scratched in this league. Like he is clearly one of the best offensive weapons that you have. So if Bobby was on the team this year, I have no doubt in my mind, he would be a healthy scratch a lot of games this season. Yeah. And I mean, it's unfortunate. And so I'm happy he's in with Detroit, but going back to the Zaitsev thing, and I found this number three games so far, five on five, Nikita Zaitsev is our best Corsi defenseman at 54.32%. He's played a minute and a half less at five on five than Brady Kachuk, but has done better with his Corsi four than Brady Kachuk. 
Like, if you were to tell me, like, I know it's three games, and obviously it's a, you know, there's still 53 more games, and we'll probably look at this almost every episode. But, man, who would have thought? Is like to, is early preseason, if he continues this, if he continues this, is Zaitsev a Norris candidate? <laughs> if he if he continues putting points up while he's producing um, analytical numbers that look like that and being solid defensively, why not? But, I mean, what a switch that's flipped. I mean, it really is crazy. If you told me this going into the season, I would have called you an absolute lunatic. I would have called you crazy and said, there's no way that's going to happen, Cleo. It's not going to happen. But uh, Nikita Zaitsev, man, what a start to the year for him. It's a, another feel-good story, potentially, Shane. Yeah, and I mean, hey, we know it's early in the year. And yeah, maybe we should pump brakes talking about playoffs and a Norris Trophy for Zaitsev. But man, it's just something to get excited about. We, we finally have what looks like a team that's capable of winning some games. It, it really does look like a team that could take some huge steps forward this year. I know it's a shortened season, but no one's expecting anything other than seventh in this division. It's a really strong division, but early on we're seeing teams struggle that in my mind, Ottawa is right there with. Like they could easily finish ahead of the Edmonton Oilers if the Oilers continue to have these goaltending and depth problems. The Vancouver Canucks, they lost their depth. You said it in the offseason, so it was a little bit expected, but they weren't expected to be this bad to start. I do have a feeling they'll rebound from that, but if the Senators can play, again, if they could play as good as they played last night against the Jets, nine times out of ten, that's going to result in a win. Yeah, 100% agree with you. And, you know, hopefully it's a learning lesson for them and they uh, look at it and be like, oh, you know, we could have done more. Also, I'm just going to leave this here real quick. I had Ottawa finishing ahead of Oilers and the Canucks. Is And if that happens, yeah, I. Oh, man. Yeah, looking back on your standings, holy crap. I mean, that is basically resembling the start of the season right now. You got yeah. Calgary, Toronto, and Montreal all playing really, really strong in this division. And they, they are clearly looking like the strongest teams. Edmonton and, and Vancouver looking like the bottom teams. And then the Jets and the Senators in that middle ground competing for that final playoff spot. And if all reigns true, Shane, you're going to look like some kind of genius when everyone before that was calling your list. I don't know what they were calling your list, but uh, I know a lot of people probably agreed more with my list. I went with more of a conventional, like this is what, you know, people are expecting out of this season. Yeah, I don't do conventional. I never have. I will always take the high higher takes or, or the hot takes. But man, if this holds up, for I am going to rub it. I don't even care that we make the playoffs. Like, I don't even care about that. But if we do not finish last, if we finish fifth, I am going to rub it in so many people's faces in the network and on, I'm just going to be like, yo, I'm going to post that picture everywhere and just be like, I told you so. This Man, is it's, it's early, but if the standings hold true, they could very well look like that by the end of the season. Hey, we play, we play Vancouver next week four times. There is a chance that if we win that series, Vancouver, we, we separate. That's an eight, that's, that's a 16 point huge. swing. Yeah. If we can win every game in regular, and I mean that that's asking a lot, right? Winning four in a row or five in a row, depending on what we do with Winnipeg, it's a lot to do. But if we can sweep that four game series, that's a sixteen point swing. You know that's huge. Considering we only played them like nine times, we only need to win one more. And we win the series. Like next series for Vancouver, like for Ottawa, Vancouver is going to be huge for the rest of the year. Absolutely. And, and before we get way ahead of ourselves and start talking about playoffs and start talking about this stuff, we do have a game tomorrow night against the Winnipeg Jets. Once again, we're going to see a better Jets team. Uh, you know, most likely line A is going to be back. We're going to see Connor Hellebuck in net. Um, so what are you expecting out of Thursday? Um, and, and how do you think DJ Smith and the Senators are going to respond to that disappointing loss? Hey, honestly, you just have to go there and play like you did the first, you know, 15 minutes of each period outside of the last like 15, 10 minutes of the, the third period. Like you dominated early in the game. You just have to pick up. And it's the same thing with the Toronto game. Like 
it was just a late period cover, like blows. Like that's all they have to go in there. Finish the late period uh, stuff. Fix that. I don't think they're on the ice tonight. I think it's a day off. So we won't really get to see what the lines will look like until Thursday morning at the morning skate. If there is one, but yeah, I just have to fix that lot. Like the last five minutes and come out strong. Like you did, you're most likely facing Hellebuck. You just, it's gotta be strong. Just gotta play fast, play to your game. That's it. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, I watched the jets and Leafs game prior to Ottawa playing them just to, you know, sort of eye up some competition and it was as heavily dominated by the Leafs as it was by the Senators. So I know we're saying the Jets were in a back-to-back situation against the Sens, but they weren't versus the Leafs, and they looked equally bad. They didn't possess the puck nearly enough, and the Leafs pretty well dominated the game the same way they dominated against Ottawa. So uh, it, it isn't necessarily just a back-to-back thing for the Jets, but I do expect the Jets to attack a lot more. I expect them to be a lot better offensively. Um, so we will get a look at how the Senators are going to respond to that and uh, to see if they have any pushback. Uh, I would expect Tim Stutzla to be back in the lineup, um, but but now the question becomes who comes out. Um, for me, for me, it's an easy decision as well. But you know that DJ Smith is kind of set on separating guys based on their their role because you know that they, he has Galchenyuk and Stutzla probably slotted in that same offensive category, and guys like Paquette and Anisimov are probably quote-unquote defensive category guys. So let's see how flexible DJ Smith's thinking is going into this game. Is he capable of putting someone like Galchenyuk in a third-line energizer role versus a guy like Paquette? Well, like, so when they asked him about Galchenyuk playing on the second line, his response was, you know, it was just the easiest choice to do. He didn't want to disrupt any other lines. Your bottom six got destroyed yesterday. You know, as I've been one of the advocates of, oh, don't turn, like, don't change that third line. They've been really good. They got dominated by the Shifley line. And you're mo- it's most likely going to happen again tonight. And you've got the second pairing. If Line is back of, like, Ehlers, Line A and Stasny. I would not be surprised to see lines two through four shaken up heading into Thursday's game. I don't see that first line being touched. If Stutzel is in there, you probably put him in and you don't touch the second line. But I would not be surprised to see a third and fourth line kind of get mixed up. You could probably put White and Galchenyuk in there, give them a third line role, put Tierney and, and Paul on a fourth line role. Who knows? So I, I would not be surprised to see him switch up the lines for Thursdays. Absolutely. So let's get into it. The good, the bad, and the ugly from last night's Winnipeg Jets loss in overtime 4-3. Shane, the good. Give us the goods. The power play, honestly. Yeah, I think they only had one power play goal, but it's, all power plays were effective. I didn't look at a power play. Any of their power play opportunities to be like, oh, this was a wasted opportunity. There was chances generated. They had shots on goal. Even though they weren't counted, they, they had misses. They had chances. That's all you can really ask for with a team that struggled in the first two games on the power play. So for me, the power play went from the the uh, bad to the good from the Leafs game to the Jets game. Yeah, for me, there was so many goods that it really is hard to identify one. Um I'm going to jump on board and agree with you because I think the power play going from dramatically bad against the Leafs and it was really bad to being so good. Just the the zone entries were crisp. They were perfect. Um, They still utilized the drop pass, but they were actually hitting the line with speed. And you could see they added a few more layers. There was an additional pass before entering the line. I noticed off off the drop. They made an additional pass to a guy on the wing standing on the blue line, and they were entering the zone relatively easy, very smoothly. And and when they're in the zone, the puck movement went from stagnant, nobody moving, nobody seeming to want to move the puck, to both units moving the puck exceptionally well. There was a lot of touch passes. There was a lot of no-look passes. You could see Dadnov shifting to his comfortable position in that bumper spot. Uh, just before Josh Norris scored that first goal, Dadnov almost got one off from that bumper spot that we've seen him do in Florida. 
A lot of good signs last night from the Senators. There was a lot of good in that game. The power play was the best of it. Yeah, because like, I don't even know how to explain it, but that that they won the draw too. And that was a huge thing. Like, they kept winning draws on the power play to set them up properly to get their, their cycle going. And that was an important thing. Uh, but moving on to the bad, for me, the bad was the penalty killing. Uh, I think it was, what, two power play goals given up? I uh, believe it was just the just one. one. Just the one. But they still kind of ran all over the place. Like they don't have, like Their penalty kill doesn't seem like it's the crispest right now. Again, third straight game with a power play goal. Not ideal if you're trying to win games. Uh, yeah, I, the penalty kill was just the worst. Like, it was worse than the Leafs game, and that's saying a lot. And, and the bad for me, I'm going to relate it to the power play because it was the one – it led to the one power play goal that the Jets scored, and that and that's the penalty in the neutral zone taken by Austin Watson. He had no business slashing Mark Shifley coming through the neutral zone. It was a relatively – basic play that was not going to lead to anything substantial coming through the neutral zone with the puck. Uh, Shifley even kind of bobbled the puck anyway. Uh, and yet he took a very costly slashing penalty that led to the second Jets goal and put them within one against the Senators. Yeah, and for me, the ugly is the last five minutes of the game. You know, that, that was just horrible, horrible, um, Horrible decision making. They couldn't clear the puck. They couldn't get. They couldn't even get a hold of the puck. Like they just. They just stood there. They let. They let Winnipeg just kind of pass the puck around, thinking that oh, you know, maybe if we just you know keep keep the puck away, they're going to. Uh, they're just not going to take a shot, and that wasn't the case. Yeah, it was a very passive box, and there was no gap control. So. You know, Morrissey was wide open for that shot that he took from the point because the gap control was just horrendous. It looked like they were just standing in their box formation and they didn't want to give it up and they were just crowding the front of their own net. It was uh, not how you want to defend a lead with an empty net. There was no sort of attack whatsoever. Uh, to me, the ugly, we touched on it basically all show, but it, uh, it falls on DJ Smith's comments after the game. Um, I'm not going to focus too hard on the decisions he made in the game, but to me, the biggest problem I had was the comments that he made after the game, calling these mistakes young mistakes, and also saying that he wanted his team to play more defensively versus offensively. To me, that makes no sense. Uh, some of what he said made no sense, and he did not take any credibility for that loss. What I want to see from DJ Smith is to realize you know have a night to sleep on it and realize the responsibility that he had in that loss and that to me would buy him back some respect right now because it's early as you said and, and we're not writing dj smith off as a coach by any means i'm still excited for dj smith being the coach and i really hope he can rebound from this but i hope it comes as a learning experience because we've seen the stubbornness that cost guy boucher his job in ottawa and it lasted for far too long. And we know how much Pierre Dorian likes DJ Smith because he talks about it every opportunity. So to me, to me, that's the ugly. It's, it's DJ Smith. He has to recognize that he had some responsibility. And you want to talk about young mistakes. Well, DJ is a coach now for just over a year in the NHL. And the biggest young mistake was coaching. Yeah, 100%. And... You know, we still, have a, we still have a little bit of time to go uh, for the episode. We're going to take a quick break. We've been kind of on a rant for the last 50 minutes. We're going to take a quick break, uh, hear a word from uh, the Bardan about their 100th episode. And when we come back, we'll wrap it up. We'll talk a little bit more of uh, what to expect uh, Thursday and Saturday against the Jets. And we will uh, talk a little bit about our top performers of the early season, uh, the first three games so far. So we'll be right back. Thank you all for tuning in on YouTube, Twitter. Remember, follow us and whatnot. We'll be right back. What is up, everybody? Mikey CLT here from Bar Down Breakdown, letting you know that our 100th episode is going to be dropping exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network on January 
27th. We will be joined by special guest Derek from the amazing pop punk band State Champs. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on all our socials so you do not miss any of our amazing episodes. We are so pumped that we have made it to episode 100. And to thank you, we are running an Instagram contest where one lucky winner can win a Steez brand snapback hat. So head over to our Instagram and enter our contest. Also, if you are just hearing about Bar Down Breakdown, make sure you go and check out our 99 other episodes where we have had artists who have been nominated for Grammys, all the way down to artists who are unsigned, where we dive into the crossover between alternative music and hockey. So make sure you go and check out Bar Down Breakdown wherever you listen to podcasts, brought to you exclusively by the Hockey Podcast Network. And there you have it, 100th episode for Bar Down. Congratulations to them on that. And before we went to break, we got this question in from one of the viewers, uh, Hanche, of how did our bottom six get dominated when the overall sense was dominated, dominated the whole game? Uh, we touched on it earlier in the episode, but to kind of recap that quickly, uh, it was just more of uh, the, or the Tierney, Brown, Paul line was lined up against the Shifley line, and they just... You watch it, and they played a lot of time in their own zone. They had they had opportunities in their defensive end in the in the offensive zone, but overall through the game, the bottom six played way too much time in Ottawa's own zone, while the top six played most of the time in the offensive zone. And that's basically how, in our in our opinion, the 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 bottom six were dominated throughout the game. Yeah, I would say that the Senators the Senators had three good lines going and the Jets had one. So if you want to talk about from an overall sense how Ottawa dominated, that would be it. And the one line that struggled is the line that you mentioned. And it was specifically matched against against the Jets' number one line, but they did struggle. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like that, that top line for Winnipeg is probably one of the better top lines in the NHL. But... When you know, at some point, DJ Smith needs to to abandon this shift uh, match thing that he was going with, and put out your best players, which would have been our top six. But before that, uh, before we continue with that, the Jets game on Thursday is a has a huge momentum shift. We play them in Winnipeg on Saturday, first of seven on the road. If we can win this game in regulation, hopefully, we are still in a playoff spot. We're at three points in three games, which I think is better than anyone expected us to be. Uh, we got a win in our in our home opener. If we can get this win on Thursday, is that if you're if you're if you're a, a player for the team, you're looking at the standings, you're looking at the way the rest of the division has been playing, and it's just a huge confidence boost, especially after coming off such a demoralizing loss. Absolutely. And and this is one where, you know, we talked about it. The Jets are going to be better um, in this next game. Unquestionable, unquestionable, they will be better. They're going to bring a much better game. And I just wanted to mention quickly because uh, apparently the Senators are practicing right now. Oh. So coming in from Brent Wallace, this is some positive news. Because uh, if you've been listening to the show, we've been talking about uh, DJ's reluctance to scratch Artem Anisimov. Anisimov is skating, wearing a gray jersey this morning. Sweet. Um, however, uh, Tim oh. Stutzla is not on the ice for practice. Okay. So Galchenyuk remains in his spot. Colin White will draw into the lineup. And currently, Colin White is uh, he's on the fourth line with Paquette and Watson. Of course, Paul Tierney Brown still intact and the top line still intact. Which I mean, hey, I I'm totally okay with that. I mean, it kind of ruins our first like our first half of the episode, but um, that's fine. That's totally fine by us. Uh, but honestly, I'm super excited. Kind of oh, Schlappick's in the lineup, so Schlappick was recalled. Schlappick was recalled due to Tim Stutzla, uh, you know, having that minor injury, whatever it may be. Uh, I happen to think it's just his hand that hasn't fully recovered because I did see it being wrapped up even at the NHL level. Uh, But it could also have been that play, that cheap shot by uh, Muzzin in front of the net. 
uh, causing his injury, whatever it is, uh, he may be out another game, but it may also be a game time decision. And we hope that Galchenyuk isn't the guy coming out for Stutzla. So apparently Schlappick is in a white jersey. Oh. Uh, 38 minutes ago, Schlappick is taking part in practice this morning. Uh, he's wearing a gray jersey. 34 minutes ago, Schlappick is toying with my emotions as he's wearing as he's just changed to a white jersey. And this is from Brett Wallace. Um, the lines, though, he's on. He's on the, the fifth line, is he? He's not? on the fifth line, but it could be the fact that he hasn't made a decision on if Schlappick or Paquette are going to play tomorrow. Right. Yeah, so it's premature, but uh, but yeah, the Senators are, in fact, practicing today. So, uh, so there you go. We're seeing some of the line combinations come in live, and uh, it is looking a little bit better than, uh, than what we had last night. So some positive news. It would be great to see Colin White draw into the lineup. Uh, he didn't have a good game against the Leafs whatsoever. He had a good first shift. I thought he looked energized. And then after that, I think he had like 10% Corsi numbers on the night. It was, uh, it was not a good night for Colin White, but, uh, but he wasn't playing with uh, prominent line mates either. No. And I mean, hopefully, I mean, obviously we'll have more of an indication tomorrow during morning skate of what the lineups are going to look like, but hopefully we see Colin White in tomorrow's game. Like we've talked about constantly is like, he needs a chance to perform it's kind of hard because Derek Stefan has been our best center, like analytically and on the eye test. We, we both talked about it after the Leafs game on Twitter. Josh Norris got physically dominated in the draws. Yeah. He, he kind of turned it against uh, Winnipeg. They could just be a thing of, you know, the, the Winnipeg centers aren't that great. He got the matchups. I'm really excited to see this team on Tuesday night or on Saturday night, their first road game uh, uh, for the season. We'll really get to see what this team is made of because they won't have the matchups that they've had the last four games. But honestly, great news for, for sense fans. You don't have to deal with, uh, hopefully Nanisimov and Paquette are out of the lineup next, next game. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that would be something that we're all kind of hoping for here after that uh, tough loss with Nanisimov, of course, playing in that three on three, no business being on the ice in a three on three whatsoever. Yeah, and I mean, I want to know he Brent Wallace only released the lines for the free like for the forwards. Nothing yet on the defensemen. So who knows what we could be seeing uh, if we're going to see Willanden back into the lineup on Thursday? Uh, but what do you think we see the red jerseys on Thursday? They've had a history of excuse me. They've had a history of wearing their alternate jerseys on Thursday night home games. I wonder if it continues tomorrow night. Uh, with the the reverse retro, yeah, I, I honestly I think that's the perfect time to enter. We've seen now three home games with the black. Uh, I think it's time to debut those beautiful bold reds. And I've got to say, I'm so impressed with the Senators' new look. Like it, it just is the most eye catching look in the NHL for me. Uh, it brings back many good memories. Uh, it, it does it all for me. It just does it for me. I want to see the bold red as well because it does look really really sharp as well but uh, i'm loving the new uniforms yeah and this goes in from tsn 1200 since spending a good amount of time today working on power play entries and setup which is another great news for sense fans well it was it was so good it was so different last game the puck movement was crisp it was clean um you could see that guys are kind of understanding where they should be now like the the game against the leafs they inexplicably had Dadnov playing below the goal line, kind of back door, and that's not his area of strength. That's just not his spot. So I'm glad they moved him up to the high slot last game, and they had him in that bumper position. They had Norris playing the opposite position below the goal line. It just looked like a much better power play. It looked night and day from the Leafs game to the Jets game. If they continue to work on that power play, I think this power play has an opportunity to probably be one of the better power plays in the North division. Yeah. And I mean, it's just a matter of getting comfortable with everyone Dad and off look good, but who are your three stars of the first three games so far this season? Who would you pick as your three stars? You know what? I, I wanted to say Galchenyuk, but we've only seen one game. So it would be unfair to include him in there. 
Um, so I'm going to go with, um, number one, I'm going to go with Drake Batherson. I think Drake Batherson, the changes that Batherson's made during the offseason have been notable. He looks now like a comfortable NHL-ready player, and he looks like a player who's ready to make a big impact at the NHL level. Uh, so number one, first and foremost, Drake Batherson. Uh, number two, I've been impressed with Brady Kachuk. I mean, we're expecting big things out of Brady Kachuk this season. Um, he brings it every game, so it, it was kind of expected, but I don't want to discount him from the top three because he has been that good. And uh, my third player on the list, you know what? I'm going to give it to Tim Stutzla. He's only played two games, but you could just see what's about to happen. So with Tim Stutzla, you could see it. He gets better shift by shift, and the amount of time that he's growing, like it's just kind of mind-blowing how quickly – his game is growing and growing and growing. And I'm telling you, he is going to be a star player this season. Oh, I 100% agree on that. Uh, I don't think I have a single one of your top three in my top three. That's good. Let's hear it. <laughs> so number one, uh, I'm going Derek Stefan. And okay. I know wow. he hasn't put up any of the points. I think he only has like two points in, in the three games. He's a goal and assist. But he has brought exactly what we've expected. He's been a stabilizing force in our, our center, down the middle, in our forward group, has been analytically and on the eye test one of our most consistent forwards in the top six. Yeah, he had a bad game against Toronto when he went like two for 14 in the draws. First game, he was 10 for 14. Like, I just love everything that Stefan has brought to us. He's good on the second power play unit. So I have him at number one. I think he has been, he was worth the pick that we traded for him. Fair enough. Uh, number two, it's Nikita Zaitsev. And that's honestly just because he's four points in three games, has been very good defensively, hasn't made many mistakes outside of that like missed pass that led to a scoring chance, I think, in the, the first or second game. He's been relatively uh, conservative but smart in his own zone. Like Shabbat has more giveaways right now than Zaitsev. So he ha he's at number two. Number three, I'm going Nick Paul. You know, even yeah. yesterday, he didn't play the greatest game, but he was still a force. Like, he still had a good game. And I don't think he was a problem on the third line. I think the fact that he just got matched up with uh, faster guys. But overall, like, he's shown that he can be a top nine forward in this league right now. Yeah, with glimpses of top six caliber play in there as well for Nick Paul. Um, yeah, I would give Nick Paul my honorable mention, probably Zaitsev as well. I like a couple of players that you picked. Um, I went for more of an offensive look, I guess, for my top three, but, uh, but the guys that you mentioned, I can't disagree with either. Uh, the fact is it, it's a good thing, but there's been a number of senators that have been impressive so far. We could have given Matt Murray you know, the same honors just being that he had such a tough season last year. And it, by all accounts, it looks like he's rebounding this season. And that's huge for Ottawa moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I think this is really just kind of a, a personal preference of who you think has been one of the better players. So if you're listening to this, let us know in the comments on Twitter who you think your top three have been through the first three games. Let us know what you think the, the Thursday game is going to be. But you know, we can talk about everything the last two games. We can talk about whatever we can for hours on end here. But we are the Sens hour, so we got to keep it to an hour. Um, this was a great episode. It's great talking about actual hockey games again. And, you know, um, I think we can all say that this has been a lot more fun first three games than people were expecting. I think a lot of people were going to be like, oh, you know, they're going to lose the first three. Probably we're going to lose probably a, a a good amount. I think there was one projection that had Ottawa with 12 regulation wins. <laughs> so like better than what we've hoped, but that'll be <laughs> all for, for this episode, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. Remember to, to follow us on uh, Twitter. We're only a couple away from 700 followers on our Twitter page. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're still working on some kings. We'll hopefully have some more content inside of just the episodes on YouTube. Hope uh, soon. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, sends underscore hour, YouTube at sends hour. Remember, uh, DraftKings, we have our uh, thing going on. Get a chance to win a million dollars in prizes. Use 
promo code THPN, and CustomizeSports.com. Got to love them. They're fantastic. Great quality work. Head on over to CustomizeSports.com. Use promo code SENSHOUR to get 10% off your order. And, hey, if you have a blank jersey and you just want to put something on it, you can get the Stutzla with the amulet. You can get the Brandstrom's with the amulet if you really want to. be some fun, festive way to do it. Check them out. Totally worth it. Uh, for Derek, you can check him out at dlee 75 shot and uh, New Era Sense for his writing content. Do recommend very good stuff. And for myself, Shannon underscore Ryan97. We'll catch you back here uh, next week for with a brand new episode recapping the two last Winnipeg games and previewing our Vancouver series. So you won't want to miss that. Have a safe one, guys. Enjoy the NHL season.